This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Mizugai. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 293 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, available for download or streaming on Monday, October 31st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. <laughs> I am your ghoulish host, Elijah. <laughs> and I'm Kenna. <laughs> Happy Halloween, Captains. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Winters is in the crypt, tending to our beloved ancestors. Help! I've got me locked in a box and they're gonna throw me in the cauldron. Somebody help me, please! Well, we do have some shocking news for you, Captains. <laughs> yeah, shocking. Um, well, uh, yeah. Uh, really sadly, this is my last week for a few weeks. Uh, some of you already know, but I'm actually moving. So uh, I'm moving uh, back to America. So Woo! I know, right? It's kind of a big deal. So yeah, a bit of a big move, you know, moving internationally across an ocean and all that. Uh, but I will be gone for three weeks, uh, and then I should be back and back to normal. So it'll be Sad fine. Sad panda, you will be missed. That is for sure. Oh, thanks. That just means that I get to be one hundred percent Cuban overlord again. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, don't get used to it. All right, I will be back. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do we have in store this week, Anna? Well, this week, Japan treks out Star Trek Beyond, Amazon's CEO forced himself into the new film, an Uber fan treks out his home automation, and in some bizarre news, Sir Patrick Stewart gets hacked. In Star Trek Online news, Agents of Yesterday Artifacts is released, and we offer you our review, along with other news that came with the latest update. And later, our science advisor, Dr. Hurt, brings us another report from the Astrometrics Lab. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Of course, don't forget to keep the conversation going at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out about all the cool perks we have to offer. And speaking of Patreon perks, this week on Priority One After Hours. Is it is it worth getting into a Star Trek versus Star Wars debate? Because I have opinions on this. No, he did what it, he did what needed to be done. I and I respect him for that. I wouldn't say I think he's a great director. See, I now see I disagree with that because I think when you're rebooting a, a franchise that hasn't had any love for a while, that's exactly what you have to do. This unscripted, uncensored, and unedited recording is available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. 
And lastly, Captains, we do have a very special announcement. Priority One Podcast is teaming up with Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, at the Northeast TrekCon 2016 at the Radisson Hotel in Albany, New York, on November 11th through the 13th. So, look for myself, Elijah, and Ken Ray of Mission Log Podcast. We will have a table there ready to greet you. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Multiverse! <laughs> I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Can you believe there were regions of the world where Star Trek Beyond had not been released yet? What type of a world do we live in where people are left waiting for Star Trek in such a cruel way? Turns out that Star Trek Beyond hadn't hit theaters in Japan until October 21st. How? And in order to promote the film's release, J.J. Abrams chatted with Japan's Rocket News 24 and with a correspondent who had never watched any Star Trek before but fell in love with it via Beyond. During the interview, Abrams said this when asked about Star Trek versus Star Wars. Quote, well, Star Wars and Star Trek are different, very different series. I know a lot of people like to try to compare them to one another, but I don't think that's something you can really do. So for people who aren't already fans of Star Trek, I'd say this. Star Trek Beyond is a great entry point to the franchise. The portrayal of characters and outer space environments are all well done. The characters are relatable, and the action is great too. End quote. Meh, I think it's a cop-out answer. Well, well, yeah, but what do you expect him to say? Right, he's got to be diplomatic because he's got yeah. both, you know, a foot in each franchise. For exactly. Sake. He's not going to come on and say, actually, um, did you know that Star Wars is like really, really good? <laughs> it's, it's- I mean, but we all know that that's the case. He, he, it was a love-hate relationship with Star Trek, and he was not a Trekkie in any way, shape, or form. He was a Star Wars kid, and he used Star Trek to be his demo reel for. Lucas Arts. I'm sorry. What? I'm, I'm not bitter. <laughs> no, but to be fair to him, he he's not wrong in what he said. I I agree that Star Trek Beyond is actually a great entry point to the franchise. So there are nods in there to Star Trek that we know and love. I'm glad I finally got to watch the first 15 minutes, which I had missed the first time around, and you said was great Star Trek, and it totally was. But then it's also it's totally accessible to new people. It's, great it's Star a- Trek or great Galaxy Quest because it might have been. <laughs> Yeah, but even Galaxy Quest is great Star Trek. That's true. That's so true. let's be honest there. Um, so what he said is not wrong, but you're right. It 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 was very it was a very good answer. Yeah, yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, that leads us to our first community question this week. What do you think? Is it ever worth getting into the Star Trek versus Star Wars debate? Are they really so different that they don't merit comparison? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO293. Well, in more Star Trek Beyond news. So I've been wondering this week what it's like to have money and influence. I mean, I don't know because I have neither. However, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos certainly does. Enough to get himself a cameo on Star Trek Beyond and not only get a cameo, but a cameo with requirements like it having to be a speaking part and in a scene that is central to the storyline so that he wouldn't end up on the cutting room floor gee i wish i could call jj or justin lynn and demand a cameo like that yeah, me too yeah 
Well, you can see Jeff Bezos in Star Trek Beyond now, and if you're very keen to freeze frame and zoom in to check him out, he's the Starfleet security officer that helps Kalara when we first see her. You'll know him because his head looks kind of like a cross between a walnut and a Brussels sprout. It's very festive. (laughs) (laughs) You'll know what I'm talking about when you see it. Yeah, he tells her to just speak normally or speak naturally, and the computer will try to translate for her, but yeah. Yeah. Must be nice. Well, maybe you can't get a cameo, but for all you tinkerers out there with a fascination for home automation, we have a weekend project for you. Control your home from a Raspberry Pi-controlled LCARS panel. That's right, a user shared his home automation project on the site hackster.io. In it, he created a touch panel powered by Raspberry Pi with an LCARS graphical user interface. Now, I've seen the video for this, and it is actually pretty impressive. He's managed to wire in a few different systems for his house. So there's uh, some security cameras, um, an alarm system, etc. That's all controlled from this central LCARS-style panel. It's very clever, actually. We'll, of course, leave a link in the show notes for this episode. That's PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO293. If I had a home with automation, I would totally do it. (laughs) Now, in some bizarre news, Sir Patrick Stewart's Twitter account was hacked this week by an inappropriate pornographic bot. Although his reps seem to have regained control of the account within a matter of minutes, Sir Pat Stew's followers seem to have had a nice laugh about it. One follower tweeted, quote, Patrick Stewart's Twitter has been hacked, but I'm still reading the tweets in his voice, end quote. That follower yeah, because, was you, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. I mean, because they were, they were very, like... Uh, pornographic tweets and you know not safe for work in any way shape or form and we can't repeat them on the show because we're a family friendly show and so it it was funny to see this one tweet go yeah i still read it in his voice (laughs) whatever does it for you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well in case you missed it star trek alums and authors of the star trek encyclopedia michael and denise akuda took to facebook live on october 25th to answer questions about the latest edition for starters they are absolutely adorable. They look like your grandparents or something on a Skype call. Totally adorable. <laughs> yeah. This new edition seems to cover the last few seasons of Voyager, DS9, Enterprise, and of course the JJ verse, which, according to the Akudas, was a massive undertaking. Unfortunately, it does not cover Star Trek Beyond. If you watch the video, the Okudas explain that the deadline for the book, unfortunately, was before the release, the final release of the film, so they could not include Star Trek Beyond in this edition of the encyclopedia. Right, well, it does make sense. Additionally, someone asked how much Memory Alpha was used in their research. However, Michael Akuda said they avoided it at all costs. Instead, they used source material, such as scripts, episodes, and films, to produce this new volume. Their Q&A session was a little over 20 minutes and certainly worth the watch. In another cute interview session, Simon Pegg had the opportunity to chat with astronaut Kate Rubens, who is currently aboard the International Space Station orbiting our planet Earth. It's funny to see Simon Pegg gushing over speaking with an astronaut while Kate Rubens is gushing over chatting with such an acclaimed actor, you know, and the writer of Star Trek. The exchange is just under two minutes, and of course, we'll have links in the show notes. And this just in to the Priority One Newsroom. The 
Hollywood Reporter broke news during our recording of episode 293 of Priority One Podcast that Star Trek fanboy and would-be savior of the Star Trek franchise, Brian Fuller, would be stepping down as showrunner for the upcoming Star Trek series, Star Trek Discovery. That's right. Brian Fuller is stepping down as showrunner for Star Trek Discovery due to air in May on the subscription-based CBS All Access in 2017. According to the article, Fuller is focusing his attention on the star's reboot of Neil Gaiman's American Gods, as well as a revival of NBC's anthology series, Amazing Stories. However, the article reports, quote, Insiders note that there had been some frustration on Fuller's part with the speed with which Discovery was moving, end quote. Now, the Hollywood Reporter notes that he is just stepping down as showrunner, but will still be active in the production as executive producer. According to the Post, he has already written the first two scripts and a story arc for the entire first season. Showrunning duties will split between Alex Kurtzman, Gretchen Berg, and Aaron Harberts. This is like, I am shaken to the core, right? It, just even reading this and having to write this on last minute was, <sighs> like, was, I know, was intense. I know, I I can't say I'm that surprised, but I am so disappointed. I think there was so much, I mean, I don't know, maybe you could call it hype over Brian Fuller, but I I, th- I think I speak for a lot of people when we say that we were really, really looking forward to him being that driving force between Star Trek Discovery, him in particular, on the day-to-day. But you know what? From the start, we've known that he's had his fingers in a lot of other pies and I can't say I'm surprised and it's so disappointing and it's got to be a blow for CBS to lose him it's got to be now here's the thing he's involved in a lot of different projects a lot of very other successful projects Mm -hmm. however hearing him speak about Star Trek right he he was kind of born from Trek right as a writer on for Star Trek Mm -hmm. his passion and his enthusiasm was almost infectious yeah Right, you knew that this guy wanted the best for this new series, right? And so, whereas an artist, it is understandable that you go where the money is, right? Mm -hmm. You you don't you don't create a craft ultimately for free, right? You want to ultimately get paid for the work you do. You're gonna go where the money is. However, Fuller seemed to me like the type of artist that would like take a pay cut for something that he really loved to do, Mm -hmm. and I thought and I figure that Star Trek would have been it like he like yeah you know what I'm gonna back away from my other more profitable projects to work on Star Trek which is kind of a a risk right it's a gamble whether or not the series will be successful on CBS All Access now on top of that his helming the course the ship that is Star Trek Discovery was as awesome as knowing that Nicholas Meyer you know, was directing and involved, right? Yeah. These, this was a big thing, yeah. right? This was huge, yeah. and we were all very happy. Now, I, I, what bothers me about this article and what concerns me is the fact that it points out that insiders insiders note that there was there was some frustration with the speed at which Discovery was developing. Mm-hmm. Now, here we are at the end of October, this, right? And we still don't have a cast announcement for a show that's out in May, that's due out in May, yeah, right? Filming hasn't even begun. Again, for a show that's out in May. Yeah. The whole point of them pushing this was so that they had time to do these things. Yeah. And what it sounds like to me is that 
just for again from what the, it's reporting is that he's not pleased with the direction it's going do i need to stop okay i gotta stop you you're ranting yeah, elijah me, no i know not, i do i need to stop you no listen at the end of the day we don't know exactly what happened i would say i think everyone's gonna feel uh, really disappointed in this i i mean i have concerns I, i'm not sure how it's gonna work now that there are three people who split the show running duties i don't i don't know if that's a normal thing or whether that will work but that it feels to me like they are at a little bit of a crisis point i this is not a doom piece i don't think for one second that star trek discovery is doomed but it i i can imagine there will be a lot of people out there who see this as a very bad sign coming hot on the heels of the delay until may it's worrying Right, coming hot off the heels of the delay of until May, where where Fuller had pleaded for the extension, mm-hmm. and here we are in October. Cast hasn't been announced, and now he's leaving. Yeah, he's stepping down as showrunner. He wrote that's like as executive producer. Like, what what is what's his involvement really going to be? He already wrote the first two episodes, and he wrote the general arc for the entire series for the first season. What? I mean, how how is this good, right? I mean, how how I I have I knowing me, I am going to be the doomsday person and be like, <laughs> yeah. oh my god, the end is nigh. The end is um, not nigh. CBS <laughs> is poo pooing is is poo pooing on this on this already, right? It's it's already doing it. We've and I can only I'm only burned by previous handlings by CBS and Paramount of the IP, yep. right? Whether it's whether it's poor marketing, whether it's a trailer that releases a, a, a very key plot point. Now, now, don't conflate Paramount and their marketing department with CBS All Access and Discovery, okay? <laughs> I guess, just, I guess. You just back all of that. I can complete, the thing is, from a, from a fan's perspective, you are absolutely oh. right. We, we put up with uh, exactly this problem for, for quite a while before beyond came out and and then the marketing gaffes etc and it was a you know it it turned out to be a solid film but there were a lot of concerning things that happened i don't want to see the same thing happen with discovery because i think there's a lot more writing on it than just a single film and it makes me nervous definitely yeah i'm 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 very nervous i'm very nervous about about the status of this show you know, it's 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 not just that it's Star Trek, but it's also competing with television, right? It's competing yep. with existing series and stories that are kicking butt. Yeah. Right. Whether it's Game of Thrones, whether it's Walking Dead, whether it's one of the DC uh, series on Fox or the W or CW. I mean, television is king right now. Mm-hmm. Television is king right now. I would rather sit home and binge watch Stranger Things all over again than pay money, you know, pay $18 for a film that only lasts about two hours and then like, oh, that's it, you know. Yeah, yeah, and... and The The story's in television. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, it's Star Trek and there's a lot of competition from TV. You're absolutely right. There's a lot riding on this. And on the one hand, it's good that um, whoever is making decisions is making decisions that I think hopefully will benefit the series ultimately. However, it is worrying. And Brian Fuller, what he's done in the past and the things that he said about what he wanted to do with the series were all very hopeful. Hopefully we're far enough through the production cycle of the first series that most of that vision will come through 
and it'll just be the day-to-day things that he's missing out on. That remains to be seen. Well, at this point, it is a bunch of speculation, and we will be reacting as you are, uh, as the news develops, and we will bring it to you and our opinions as we find out more about it. In the meantime, follow us on our social media channels like facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast so that we can continue this conversation and, and have a dialogue going. Now let's get Mark in on the discussion and find out what's been happening this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome once again to Star Trek Online News, where this week, the long-awaited Agents of Yesterday Artifacts update has now gone live, and with it, a new featured episode, lighting enhancements, and a new fleet holding, among other things. But believe it or not, that's not the only thing going on this week. We'll be talking artifacts in just a minute, but first... I don't know about you, but we here at Priority One love an infographic. This past week, that is exactly what Star Trek Online delivered. This time all about the console release. To date, 1.1 million captains have now taken command, with a whopping 59% choosing the tactical career path, 22% with engineering, and only 19% on science. 68% of all console players have chosen to side with the Federation, 20% with the Klingon Defence Force, and 12% with Romulans. It lists that 119 different spaceships are available to play in-game, how many fleets there are, totaling around 1,600, and all of the voice actors currently in-game, such as the late great Leonard Nimoy, his Kelvin counterpart Zachary Quinto, Michael Dorn, aka Worf, Chase Masterson as Hollow and Muralita, and Denise Crosby as both Sila and Tashiar, to name but a few. The graphic even goes on to show what ships, tactical, engineering and science are most popular on each console. I do wonder if they will release a similar graphic for the PC version for the upcoming 7th anniversary. I've actually seen two of these infographics done before for the PC, and I'd be interested to see an updated one and compare it to the previous ones to see if there are any differences and just compare them. So hang on, have they actually released these for PC before? Because I found this information really interesting. They have done similar ones in the past for anniversaries, but I would really like them to do the same sort of layout for the seventh. So the same sort of like percentages for each faction, the same mm-hmm. sort of how many ships there are, and everything just to make a comparison. Well, the thing that I found was really interesting is that it really is polarized around tactical and federation. I mean, it's really polarized, and and I mean, I can I kind of think we already knew that, but I w- I was a little bit surprised to see it in such stark detail. Yeah. I was surprised to see how many. You know, I knew there was a shift towards Federation, a shift towards Tactical, but mm-hmm. those numbers were slightly higher than what I had predicted. Well, you thought they would have been more, a little bit more spread out. Yeah, a little bit more. At least between Tactical and Engineering, because I would have thought that uh, that people would split between Tactical and Engineering, but mm-hmm. I don't know. And I do wonder whether this is actually reflective of PC as well. It could be different. It's a slightly different kind of feel to the game that, mm. personally, I think the console... F- I don't want to say favors tactical and federation, but it... But you're struggling to find another way to put it. Yeah, I don't I don't think the game itself favors that combination, but it just, it just feels more like you should mm. be a tactical fed for some reason on the console. I think that's just because console games you're used to playing, you know, the humanoid pew, pew, pew. good guy doing all the pew-pewing. So, um... 
maybe that's just me personally. But I would be interested just to, to compare and contrast that then with the PC side of it. Especially when they start talking about how many fleets there are. That would be interesting. And also, because, you know, at first when I read this, I didn't quite twig that it was console. And I was like, there's more than 119 <laughs> different ships. Come on. I would like to know what the actual total is. Winters, do you know that? The actual total number of spaceships there are on PC? Uh, ships is somewhere in the range of about four to five hundred. I bet, I bet Whoa. one of the people out there listening, I bet, knows the exact number. Probably, yes. And, and we'll, we'll give us it in feedback for next week's <laughs> that episode. That would be great. <laughs> because I, I was going to say, I'm going to state equivoc- unequivocally, that's not the right word. I'm going to state right now that there cannot possibly be more than 200 ships in game. Oh, and then wait for the feedback to roll in. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're wrong. Correct me. Come on. Correct me. <laughs> uh, and watch this Kena for next week goes into hiding. Oh, yeah, that's right, actually. I am going into <laughs> hiding for three weeks. So I'll just drop that bomb and I'll leave. <laughs> yeah. See you guys thanks in a few for weeks. That. Thanks. thanks for that. Okay, <laughs> uh, uh, thanks. Bye. Good, thanks. Bye. Um, but no, the other thing that's really interesting is that the console has not been out for that long. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to think. So that came out beginning of september didn't it so we're talking under two months of play and there's already 1.1 million captains which i personally read as characters but that could also they were not it's not clear at the moment whether that's characters or accounts oh wait uh, i don't know if you want to sidetrack this but i kind of went and just googled sto infographic and i just found the one from the five year anniversary oh did you Yes. Um, Would you like to know? Yeah, pick out some interesting stats for comparison. I, now, I, this will, is... I will go exactly bit for bit what was done. Okay, no, hang on. I just want to clarify. So this is the fifth anniversary. So this is this 2015. This is the fifth anniversary. Yes. This is 2015. Okay. Yes. This is the first one that kind of jumped to my Google search. On the fifth anniversary, there were 3.8 million in command. Really? Yeah. Okay. 51% tactical. Mm-hmm. 28% engineering. Okay. 21% science. No, that's interesting because that's that's what we were kind of saying is you thought it would be a, maybe mm. a little bit more spread out. Hmm. You want me to do the factions? Yeah. 73% Starfleet, okay. 16% Klingon, and 11% Romulan. Okay. Now, I, I take that one with a bit of a pinch of salt because I think with the two recruitment events that they did, so the Delta recruit event and the Temple mm-hmm. recruit, I think that... Um, encourages a lot of people to try out a new faction because okay. you're encouraged to roll a new tune. So I that that I could see could be a little bit of a, of out of date. It surprises me that it was as high as seventy something percent fed mm-hmm. back in 2015. Right, starships. Oh yeah, okay. At the time, remember fifth anniversary. Yeah. Four hundred and twenty-one. Holy crap! That's got to be well north of five hundred by now because it seems like yeah. every other week we get like a new ship, ten a new, new ship. starships. Thank you very much. <laughs> so uh, wow, okay, like interesting. Well. <laughs> And and I will pull out the last one, which is fleets. Okay. 25,040. Wow, if I could whistle, that would be a really impressive whistle right then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Normally I can whistle, I don't know what's wrong with me tonight. But um, yeah, that's kind of a lot. That's a lot. What I find is interesting, maybe it's just because the console version is not as as mature as the PC was at the time of the 2015 infographic, is that there's uh, three times as, me- as many captains on the 2015 PC version, but mm. like way more fleets. 
<laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so uh, you said there was three-something million captains in 2015. Yeah, 3.8. 3.8, 3.8 million. versus 1.1 million uh, console captains to date. Yeah. But when you compare the 25,000 fleets or something to the 1,600 the fleets, and, it's, yeah. yeah, it's a much bigger difference. And maybe that's just... Um, People starting out, trying it out. From exactly, the, the maturity of the game versus uh, versus the newness of the new stuff, and people haven't quite got around to making so, fleets Something yet. that you said there, you'd like to compare an up-to-date version of the uh, PC graphic and compare it to yeah. the console graphic. I'm actually more interested in comparing the up-to-date PC graphic with this older PC graphic and see if the game is expanding or, you know, if it's still oh, around the same, you know, right. just, uh, remaining stable and has the same mm. amount of retention or, you know, is it growing or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, hopefully they will actually give us some of that information, maybe for the seventh anniversary, like you said, Mark. And if we do that, exactly. that could be a fun episode of Priority One. Well, turning our attention now to PC, one feature of the Agents of Yesterday Artifacts update that we didn't talk about last week was the possibility, nay, absolute dead certainty, of a shiny new lockbox to go along with the shiny new everything else. Yes. Now, the latest lockbox to be released to Holodeck is the Sphere Builder lockbox, quoting the blog about it. Notorious for their actions during the Temporal Cold War, the Sphere Builders are an extra-dimensional race best known for their creation of the Delphic Expanse. While the network of spheres which generated the Delphic Expanse was destroyed in the mid-22nd century by Captain Jonathan Archer, the impact of the Sphere Builders can be seen in other eras, such as during the Battle of Procyon V. The temporal and dimensional anomalies present during the battle gave the Federation the perfect opportunity to preserve, stabilize, and repurpose their recovered devices. Some of these devices have made their way into the hands of the Lobi Crystal Consortium. End quote. Among the devices in question are three Sphere Builder starships, brand new to Star Trek Online, each with a name more challenging than the last, and thankfully, I'm not reading them out, <laughs> and each featuring a big shiny sphere as part of the hull design. I'm not kidding. Also available as prizes from the lockbox are, as you'd expect, new costume options for your characters, new ground and space traits, kit modules, weapons, bridge officer training manuals, and apparently, Rottweilers. There's even a Rottweiler puppy in one of the promotional pictures. No word yet on whether he's genetically engineered to stay a puppy forever. So, while we're talking about PC stuff and artifacts, why don't we just go ahead and talk about it? I take it you guys have actually played it then. No. Kidding. Oh, uh, <laughs> honestly, Mark. So um, I'm going to say full disclosure. I've had a little poke around. I've just about played the featured episode. Well, I have played the featured episode, sorry. Um, but just the one time. I'd wanted to play it through again, actually. I was hoping to get a chance to play it through again before we recorded tonight because... I loved it. And I know, I yeah, know, I always go on and on about the, the featured episodes because that's really why I play Star Trek Online. The immersion. The immersion. And I just think, okay, not an awful lot happened. Okay, I should say spoiler alerts, by the way, because we're going to talk about spoilers. It's, it's a, it's a week we? yes. since it came out. Yes, totally spoilers. <coughs> spoiler alert. <coughs> spoiler alert. <coughs> you know, not an awful lot happened. But I, I thought it was it was it was interesting and it was an enjoyable little little mission to play. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I kind of think in terms of storytelling, it was almost up there with like midnight. Mm. 
maybe not necessarily in all of the execution. It was nice to do different things like the the puzzle and then like yeah. the big the big reveal, the reveal. which I, yeah. the reveal which. Um, can I talk about it? Which which of the two reveals? The, the first, the really like the first the one. The first reveal. Yeah. Audio yeah. team got ready to bleep this when that um, door opened and you saw yeah. the Starfleet the, command, like the insignia the, there. Yeah, the I was Delta. going what? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was like a jaw dropping moment. Like holy mother of what? Well, do you know I wasn't actually that surprised. I know a lot of people had that reaction, but I was kind of like. Me. There's there's something funny going on here. It's gonna be like it's the guardian of forever or something is deposited people here or something. There's something funky going on, isn't it? It's not just like some pseudo Egyptian yeah. society. It's but not. There was that, but I that. didn't expect to see the insignia as as blazoned on a wall and an ancient no. thing as it was. No, and I then didn't as you went around the corner, you saw the three um, people yeah. in the different uniforms, and yeah. you're just going, what's going on? TOS uniforms as well. Yeah, I would hasten to point out. Yeah, and I and the the second reveal, which was not as much of a reveal to me because I I I'm not sure I know who the Zenkethi are. I needed to look that up. But that room that you go into, mm-hmm. I mean, they really made the most of the lighting update. Oh, they did. In fact, actually, having said that, I think that one of the best parts of this featured episode was that I mean, and I, I can't quite tell if they did it deliberately I'm sure they did they really made the most of the lighting updates because the lighting effects I mean on the um <laughs> the far point Nadarians is that how you pronounce it Nadarians um, probably it's no probably a silent c the space jellyfish yeah let's just call them the li- for, for ease of pronunciation the space jellyfish the lighting effects on the space jellyfish were mesmerizing mm-hmm I really loved the bit where you fly up to them and you transmit a signal and they kind of glow. Glow back. I will say there's I mean, one bit. I'll let you go. Go on. Sorry. Oh, no. I, well, I was, I was just going to say that, you know, <laughs> that is that does not fall under the normal fly into a system, shoot some bad guys and warp out again mm-hmm. kind of um, thing that we're used to in a mission. But it was enjoyable and I really, really liked doing that bit and the bit with the Geckley just before as well. The one thing I don't like about the lighting update is why is everything that's now an interact object glitter gold? You know these sort of gold little particles in there at kinda Oh yeah, it, it looks Yeah, it, it looks a little out of place. Yeah, because it used to be kind of like upright mm-hmm. lines and now yeah. they're little globules. <laughs> How else things. would you Yeah um, You know I'm partial to the sparkly I thing, mind. I'll admit, but it's too much of a change and I know it was brought in in console, and I know it's been in trouble, but for me, it just doesn't sit right on the PC. Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about lighting in just a second, but I want to just finish uh, talking about the featured episode. One of the things that has come up a couple of times is this word exploration. Now, I wasn't playing Star Trek Online when the exploration system was a thing. It was mm-hmm. gone before I started, and some people have been asking for it back, like what happened to exploration, because you know, uh, to seek out new life and new civilizations is kind of a big part of the game that doesn't currently exist that much. Do we think that maybe this could be a way for us to do exploration? I mean, it's scripted exploration in a way. That's but it's, what I was about to say. It's a, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit softer side to a to a featured episode that isn't just the formulaic as it sometimes tends to be. 
warp into a system, fight some people, beam down to the planet, fight some more people, do some, like, you know, uh, plotline development. Usually there's a little bit more fighting, then you beam up, fight some more people, and then you warp out and contact your your faction representative. I mean, that's usually what happens. So maybe we're seeing, you know, a little bit of a deviation from that. I mean, well, I don't know. I'll put it to you guys. Do you think this could be a good way to get exploration back into the game? Only as scripted. I think the only way explanation would really exist is without a system and be really story-driven content. Mm-hmm. I don't think... I ho- I really, really hope I'm wrong. I hope we do an interview like a couple of months or whatever down the line and Al hands me my backside for this again on something else <laughs> and goes, you were wrong. But... Yeah. From from as great story content as we've had, it, I think it'd be hard to go back to a system similar to what we had as explanation. Which is, if you remember from our bugs discussion, is where mm-hmm. the third Borg dynasty came from. So it was oh, randomly see, yeah. generated planets, randomly generated sort of first in contact missions. Eh. When I heard about the new lockbox, the Sphere Builder lockbox, uh, it got me thinking about exploration because it immediately reminded me of the Delphic Expanse. And I was wondering, is this the first steps uh, in the story that was going to direct us towards possibly a new exploration system that was going to be introduced into the game uh, you know, in the future? And I was trying to figure out you know, how could they do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know... Exploration... To bring that system into the game, it, it's it's big, and I don't know if it would be too big for a season release or would it be for an expansion release. And the Delphic Expanse could be perfect because that could be an area of uh, quadrant space that you know you go in and you explore new areas or something. Mm-hmm. Do you see where I'm going with that? I do, and I it's kind of made me think about one of the other changes that they made in this update, which was the which stuck out to me was that the Kobali missions now and one other one that I can't remember are now in their own New Romulus. tab in the episode journal. So where New Romulus, that's the one. And I wonder, you know, we could do something with a new story mission that is because they're those weren't really story arcs. They kind of were, but they were within a... They're kind of within, like, a battle zone. It's, like, self-contained. It's not like a... They're they're B and C story arcs. Exactly. They're, they're not the main... But you could do, potentially, something where... Uh, with an exploration-themed, you know, sub-story arc that could be... that Maybe that could be a, a nice halfway house between a featured episode, like we had with Echoes of Light and what used to be the exploration system. Because I don't think that we could... I'm not sure it's viable to have lots and lots of this type of featured episode in a story arc because I think people will get bored. I thought that this featured episode was a nice change of pace. I I actually yes. you know, thought it was really good uh, to do some science-y Starfleet stuff. Like, you know... Uh, rather than mm-hmm. warp in, mm-hmm. blow up the bad guy, and warp out and blow up the next bad guy, um, I, I thought it was a nice change of yep. pace. And the combat kind of came in just at the right point for me, where I was like, "Oh, 
Right, okay, you know, I've kind of had enough of that for now, and yeah, there really should be a bit of combat here. I know not everybody feels that way. I've been talking to a few people that were like, yep. they just didn't enjoy that side of it, and they thought that there should have been more combat, yeah. but I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I do have one complaint about the featured episode, actually, and that is around... I, I saw where they were trying to go with... Um, with here we are, we're on this planet that looks a bit pseudo-ancient Egyptian-y and there's a puzzle you have to solve. They were kind of going mm-hmm. for that puzzle feel. Mm. The The game engine for Star Trek Online doesn't really do puzzles and in the end it was incredibly, it was a linear time-wasting section where you just had to run to a thing and click a thing and run to the next thing and click the thing and run to the next thing and click the thing and it I didn't mind it when we were doing the pattern enhancers because I kind of felt like I was a Starfleet officer setting up a pattern enhancers. The bit that really took me out of it was when you were in the the sort of the circle in the middle, mm-hmm. rotating uh-huh. the pillars, because it really wasn't a puzzle. It really was just... Just a clickable. Yeah, and it was a lot of clicks. It took like five minutes, and it was like, it wasn't a puzzle. It was just a lot of clicking, and then you mm-hmm. moved to the next one. And it felt... Um, that took me out of it. I was really disappointed with that bit. If they could have made it an actual puzzle, like a mini game, like we've had in the past, like yeah, then then it would have been a different feel. But I think they could have cut that whole bit out, <laughs> you know, or made it one click on each pillar. I don't know. It just just to just get on with the rest of the story. Although some might argue that it, it built up for the big reveal behind the door. So uh, to be perfectly honest, I don't think there was anything wrong with that part. I mean. You had to um, do each one of the pillars in the correct order. You know, you just didn't go around in a circle. You had to go in a specific order. Well, yeah. Um, you said it took five minutes. You were clearly doing it wrong for four minutes. Okay, oh, shut <laughs> up. You... Because, no, no, no. It's because cause for each of the pillars, you have to turn the middle one until it goes around to the right bit. And then you have to turn the bottom one until it goes around to the right bit. Why are you laughing? I... I stand by my previous statement. You were doing it wrong for four minutes. Okay. <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> Fine. You're maybe I overestimated. With, maybe I overestimated the five minutes. Anyway, it felt like five minutes. <laughs> but it, it, since there was only ever good, because you couldn't turn the top one right, it didn't. You yes. didn't have to yeah. pay any attention to what was going on except to know which pillar to start with. And then, because you could see the top one, it was like one of those children's books that has all the different, you know, that has like a top, middle, yes, and the bottom yes. of a monster. And all you're trying to do is put the monster together, and but the yes. top bit's fixed. So it, it was... I definitely agree with that. Yeah, so it, 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 it was disappointing because it didn't feel like a Starfleet thing. Like, the pattern enhancers was fine because I was like, I'm totally a Starfleet officer. It was just like, I, I, I'm, I'm flipping this thing around. Can I just get on with... Blast, can I just blast the door open? <laughs> you know, I I've get got a phaser and cutter, and you know, find yeah. some harmonic resonance in my Android bridge officer's arm that will open it, and I can say "Open Sesame." Exactly. So that was the only thing that took me out of it. But, um, but I, it was close. I could see kind of what what they were trying to do, make something a little bit different, and I appreciated that. Oh, I almost forgot <gasps> the music in the featured episode. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the music is, like, cool. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to play it again was because I was listening to it going, this music is cool. And it really fit the theme of the map, and it just it just 
totally worked. Totally worked. You should really make that some sort of like sound clip of Ken just going, this music is cool. Please don't do that. It's funny. (laughs) Okay, so any other comments on the featured episode? No. No. Okay, well, can we talk about the lighting then? Because um, I know we talked about the lighting for uh, a few weeks back when it was. Back there as well. Yeah, when we were back, uh, when it was testing on Tribble. And now now it's it's the thing now. <laughs> it's live. It's here. It's here. I mean, I noticed a few problems with it. I'm glad that we advised ourselves to spend a little extra time um, fiddling with the um, with the settings because I definitely needed it. I did have to turn down my bloom, which is what I thought. You love and also, bloom. I know, but I had to turn it down to about 50% because it was like a bit raw. I also um, fell victim to one of the bugs. I'm not sure it's a bug, but it's, it's, it falls under the known issues in the patch notes, where they've said that there was uh, some graphics cards, when it resets to the default settings, mm. re- reset to, like, really low default oh, settings. Yeah, and I was one of those, and I, I logged in, and I was like, it's like, oh, you've been reset to the default settings. I was like, eh, fine, I'll tweak it. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> My eyes. <laughs> what is that? Everything was really choppy. There was no anti-aliasing on. It was set to not 0.4 percent resolution or not 0.4 oh. resolution scale, and I was like, "Geez, what's going on?" So I, I had to reset all of the graphic settings, and then I noticed because I was I was getting a bit of lag, and I'm not sure whether that was that might have been on my side to be fair. So I was tweaking the sliders at the top. And I noticed that if I put my slider on the GPU one down below anything below like 100% full, it just went back to the old lighting. And I thought, mm. oh, that was real weird. Um, so anyway, I put that up to full and I tweaked it. And now, now it's good and I'm happy and um, it looks great. But that did take me about a half an hour just to, to play around and check a couple of different maps before I wanted to go and actually mm. play a mission. No, I quite like it. I mean, I was playing around as well, and I managed to get my computer up to um, render skill 2.5 before I got to really any problems. I'm going, oh, this game is so pretty. Oh my god. Yikes. I need a bit of an upgrade to get to that, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Mark. Um, My machine can handle it. I've got everything set to max on mine. Uh, I did have one little problem, though. I completely forgot to update my driver, and I ended up having to play the featured episodes with the old yeah I suppose you say the old graphic settings mm-hmm. because yeah I, I couldn't get the lighting 2.0 to enable and uh, I, I was thinking why why was this working on Tribble and it's not working now yeah. and after I finished the featured episode it suddenly dawned on me wait a minute I might need to update my drivers and I did and it worked out fine then after that and yeah everything looks fantastic now Right, well, there was a couple of other things that I wanted to touch on from the from the new artifacts, and then we can wrap it up. Um, one of the things was the, uh, as you had talked about last week, Winters, uh, that mm-hmm. whole fix-up script issue with the kit changes appears to have caused a few problems with players, although I think most of them should have been sorted out by now. Um, they did actually give us 12 free inventory slots per character, didn't they? Woo-hoo, yeah, yay. which I think is probably as a result of that, because obviously now those uh, those items in your inventory take up a lot more space. But it, it worked fine for me, the, the kit changeover. 
completely worked and it was fine. I did want to mention that Cryptic QA Hologram at Cryptic EQAH did tweet the following on uh, Twitter. PSA, missing kit modules, go to a ground map, then either go somewhere else or change characters. Um, and that's to do with um, some people's kit modules not showing up properly after after they logged in. Um, and if you do that, then they should come back and you'll be fine. Uh, there was also uh, a couple of things worth noting, known issues. The foundry is going to be down for a while due to the lighting updates, and there are still some lighting tweaks going on on various maps throughout the game, just as people play through them. So for the full detailed patch notes, both for the artifacts update and the Thursday patch just after, we'll leave links in our show notes at priorityonepodcast.com forward slash PO293. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. Well, for PC players, bonus rewards for the new featured episode Echoes of Light run until the 17th of November. Check back each week for a new gear set piece and a bonus of either a spec point or a special tech upgrade. The Crystalline Cataclysm also returns on the 3rd of November and runs until the 24th. It's shard hunting time. And further away on the horizon, the start date for Q's Winter Wonderland looks to be the 1st of December. The holidays are coming! It's the most wonderful time of the year. Like when I get to bre- to break out my Winter Wonderland um, parody as well. <laughs> I'm yeah. so excited. Anyway. Well, for console players, the lifetime subscription to Star Trek Online is on sale from now until the 17th of November. Gain access to exclusive ships for Federation, Romulan and Klingon factions, extra character bank inventory slots, being able to refine an extra 1,000 lithium every 48 hours, exclusive species such as Talaxian and Liberty Borg, the list goes on and is certainly something to consider if you plan to be an SDO for the long haul. Of course, as always, events are subject to change without notice. Make sure you check the in-game calendar or listen in here at Priority One Podcast for the latest news and updates from Star Trek Online. Now, let's head to the Astrometrics Lab for another report from our science advisor, Dr. Robert Park. For this week's Astrometrics Report, we're going to take a very deep look at the gassy side of the Milky Way galaxy. Astronomers have just released a spectacularly detailed map of the entire sky seen in the glow of hydrogen gas. Unlike stars, which light up brilliantly in the visible part of the spectrum, astronomers have to push to much longer wavelengths, into radio light, in order to see the hydrogen gas that fills the space between the stars. Hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe, and it makes up the majority of the gas that fills the Milky Way galaxy. Roughly half of it is locked up into molecular gas, where two hydrogen atoms have bonded together to form a hydrogen molecule, but the rest of it is floating around in a pure atomic form. These free-floating hydrogen atoms would be virtually indetectable were it not for a slight energy offset in the way the electrons orbit the protons in these atoms. This results in a faint emission feature in the radio spectrum at a wavelength of 21 centimeters. This can be detected by very powerful and very large radio telescopes on the Earth. A pair of these radio telescopes work together to map out the entire sky. One with a diameter of 100 meters was situated in Germany, and the other with a diameter of 60 meters was located in Australia. 
They mapped out the entire sky by meticulously observing over a million different positions and then combining the dataset into a single unified map. The result is an amazingly clear view of the gas clouds that fill the Milky Way, mostly concentrated in the plane of the Milky Way, which is the disk in which our solar system and most of the other things in our galaxy lie. As a bonus, we also see the gas clouds that fill the Large and Small Magellanic Clouds, the two satellite galaxies that are companions to the Milky Way, visible only from the southern sky. If you go take a look at the link in the show notes, you'll see not only images of the sky, but movies. The motions of the gas in the galaxy will actually shift the 21 centimeter emission feature of the hydrogen to slightly longer or slightly shorter wavelengths of light, depending on whether the gas is moving away from us or towards us. The radio telescopes can measure how much gas is at each of these different Doppler shifted wavelengths and construct an entire map of the sky for each step in velocity. These slices can be stacked up and played as a movie, helping us visualize the global flow of gas throughout the galaxy and even give us clues to help map it out in three dimensions. Taken together with the 3D map of stars being produced by the Gaia project we discussed last time, astronomers are really getting a much clearer picture of what the insides of our galaxy are really like. Well, that wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. However, as an extra bonus, if you'd like to learn more about how we put together artwork to illustrate the science results on the discovery of new exoplanets, check out a feature story that NPR put out recently. My coworker Tim Pyle and I were interviewed for it, and if you watch the video, it definitely captures a little bit of the day-to-day interaction we have in the office. Back to you guys. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. This week's first community question was... What do you think has a better chance of taking off, virtual reality or augmented reality? Once again, we took to polling the Twitterverse. 58% of listeners polled thought virtual reality was the wave of the future, but augmented reality wasn't too far off the mark, scoring the other 42%. Thanks to those that took the time to vote and keep an eye out for another poll next week. At SpaceboyG tweeted us, the install base is much larger for augmented reality. Also, point of entry is a lot easier with the proliferation of smartphones and tablets. Totally agreed, man. Pokemon Go, excellent example. Yes, no, I agree with that. It's uh, it's something that can be used with a currently existing just stuff you already have, I think, where virtual reality you really need specialized equipment for. It's, it's harder to get in on virtual reality at this point. So from PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy wrote, Wonderful show, loved the feedback especially. VRAR has a way to go before it's ready for mass consumption. I am looking forward to it. At Jerry Nixon tweeted us, HoloLens! I tend to agree. I, I, I'm disappointed that Microsoft is taking as long as they are with developing HoloLens for the consumer market. I think that they either need to, con- they need to really push like teaser marketing, right? Like look at what it's doing. Stand by, keep, you know, you know, stay excited about this. Otherwise, they risk losing the audience to virtual reality headsets, right? For the people, for the whales that want to spend the money, I would rather save up and wait for augmented reality like a HoloLens than I would for virtual reality. Well, the thing is, I think with something that's like that, where it's a real, all of the wearable technology, I have to say, 
you really need somebody to show you like what's the point like why why would you really want to do this in a in a sensible user case like i don't want to you know browse the internet on my eyeglasses or whatever <laughs> i don't want to do that but show me something that it genuinely would enhance my experience of whatever then I will look into that. I mean, that was the same with my Apple Watch. I didn't really have much of a reason to use it until somebody showed me, and then I was like, I get it now. Now I wouldn't be without it. So, you know, show me something that I would actually use, something like a HoloLens or, you know, even the sadly dearly departed Google Glass, and then I'll consider it because I like the idea better than virtual reality, but I'm still kind of like, I don't see what the point is. <laughs> and our second community question was, what are your first impressions of the Agents of Yesterday artifacts update? Now, in an interesting twist, all of our replies this week were from Twitter. Now, we love feedback no matter how we get it, so don't forget to check Facebook, the Star Trek Online forums, and of course, PriorityOnePodcast.com and leave us your responses. Captain Morgan at CatBillMorgan tweeted, I liked it. Several plot twists, many visual, and opens up a lot of story options. I had an OMG moment after I opened the door and saw the thing. Winky face. Look, he was trying to be coy because he didn't want to have spoilers on Twitter, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, because like we totally didn't do that in STO News. <laughs> yeah, opened the door and saw the thing. Yeah, we know exactly what you're talking about, Captain Morgan. Also from Twitter, Drogon at Drogon1701. Lots to like. Lighting, kit updates, nifty fleet stuff. A very good story mission. A bit rocky on the launch, though. I didn't think it was that much rockier than any of the other launches, to be honest. <laughs> to be fair, there have been far worse launches going back years ago. Uh, this was pretty pretty stable, I think, compared to some of the previous ones. I'm thinking back to uh, Season 8 or something like that. There was some really big problems back then. And to be fair, considering that they were updating the entire lighting system as well as a whole bunch of content, I, I, it was all right. You got to give them a little slack there, just a little bit. And finally, from Twitter, Captain Daniel Hunter at Captain Hunter ninety one tweeted, "Finally, something true Trekkies have been after for some time." And yes, I'm talking about the E word. Uh, what What do you suppose he meant by well, the E word? I know, I don't know. Um, elephants? Because um, I didn't yeah. see any elephants. No. No. Elijah? Yeah. Elijah? Elijah, no, he hasn't started playing it again, although I I think he intends to with the new lighting. No, I I think what he was actually referring to was exploration. (gasps) (laughs) Boy, you guys, I did not even script that gasp. That was fantastic. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, remember that we want to highlight some of you, our listeners, in our shows. So send us your Star Trek story. Send us an email to incoming at priority1podcast.com. We might use your story in an upcoming episode of Priority One Podcast. Well, that wraps up episode 293 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's our community question for this week. Is it ever worth getting into the Star Trek versus Star Wars debate? Are they really so different that they don't merit comparison? Captains, you know we love hearing from you, so leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or tweet us at PriorityOnePod. 
Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes or Google Play, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. To our writer and social media manager, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Sweet Media for supporting this show. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Esmaria DePost, and Gavin LaWarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. But, most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. And safe travels to Kenna as she traverses the Atlantic Ocean to move back to America. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Engage. Winter, winter should totally come be like, help, I'm in a box and I can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's good. Uh, From one train wreck to another. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. Okay, cut that. Cut, cut that. Cut that. <laughs> Hello, captains. <laughs> Not that fun. You know, I was thinking exactly the same thing. Or I was thinking I really need to like tap dance. <laughs> I was like, I told you I was going to bring out the jazz hands. I was actually doing jazz hands, and then I realized no one can see jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah. Well, Star Wars and, and Star Trek are different, very different. I, I, I know a lot of people like to try to compare them to, to one another, but I, I don't think that's something you can really do. So for, for people who aren't already fans of, of Star Trek, I'd, I'd say this. Star Trek Beyond is, is a great entry point to the franchise. That's pretty good, right? I'm doing a pretty decent impression. <laughs> okay, yes. The, the portrayal. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> well, maybe you can't get a cameo, but for all you tinkerers out there with a fascination for home automation, we have a weekend project for you. Control your home from was, a raspberry. I'm sorry, but that was like the best rhyme ever. Out there with a fascination for home automation. We're here with Priority One Podcast. Destroying all... Like, yeah, I'm done. I feel like you could put a wiki, wiki, wiki in there and it would you really could've. work. It would have. It yeah. would work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um...
Although his reps seem to have regained control of the account within a matter of minutes, Strapak... The exchange is just under two minutes, and I didn't finish the sentence. <laughs> Do you know what's really funny is that when I was reading through this, I was like, I'm just going to put Elijah's name against that, because I'm sure he knows where he was going with it. No, I have no idea where I was going with it. <laughs> Oops. The I can't remember how to sync up. <laughs> this is Kenna. This is Kenna Stonews. Okay. Um, this wow. is Kenna Stonews. Sync one. This oh. is Mark STO News. Sync two. This is Winters. Star Trek Online News. Sync three. Stonews <laughs> in three, two. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, the both of you. I'm gonna just don't make fun of me. Um, right. Stonews <laughs> in three, two. It lists that 119 different spaceships are available to play in the game, how many fleets there are, totaling around 100... <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, did you even think I wrote this? <laughs> I missed out a zero. 160. <laughs> does, um, I nearly does... said 160,000. Among the devices in question are three <laughs> steel riddles. Should no. I just... Sphere. <laughs> Would you like me to just do this bit? I only did it. No, because, do okay. it. I'm tired. I've got a lisp. I'll get it. If I don't get it this time, please just do that sentence and I'll do it from there. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open our hailing... F what? <laughs> we open up our hailing frequencies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shields up. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Okay, I'm good.